You're tuning in to the Bookmatic's Best Book Podcast, where you will discover author secrets from books that'll make you feel, grow, and learn. These authors are from all over the world, all different backgrounds, and you are sure to learn a whole lot from their personal experiences. So please enjoy, subscribe, and let's get into it. Hey, Bookmatic Lifelong Learners. So we are here with another great episode with Philip Gabbard, the author of This Day and his new book, Thrivation, which was such a joy to read. A little bit different from his first book. Uh, I had some great feelings, great lessons from the book. Uh, so I'll let in, uh, Philip introduce himself and his books a little bit. Thanks, Matt. So yeah, I've got... Uh two books out. You might have seen that one recently. I know you've read it. I really appreciate you uh, supporting and kind of getting along with that along with uh, this day. So it was an experience of mine to um, kind of collect my thoughts, corral my thoughts and, and actually put them into, you know, some shareable document other than just stored inside my head. So I did the exercise, not out of a bucket list, Matt, um, I think best when I write and I had a lot uh, to unpack out of my, you know, things that I've been carrying with me for too long thoughts and opinions and philosophies, philosophies of life that I maybe if at a point I thought I was odd or why do I think the way that I think I took a long form technique of writing my thoughts out to really get them purified as best I could and shared them. So I'm thrilled to be here with you, thrilled to talk about them at any level you want. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, another great thing to, I want to let the audience know that this day was one of my favorite books in 2020. So I was really excited to hear that Philip came out with a new book uh, just this year or at the end of last year, was it? End of 2020? Yeah, end of 2020. Yeah, end of 2020. So yeah, I, I read it while I was on holiday in Bali, Indonesia. I was sitting there at the beach reading Philip's book and just looking at, out at the, the ocean and just relaxing. And it was like, it was a perfect read uh, for a beach read, no doubt. Um, you just get this, this feeling of relaxation when you're reading the book, uh, a little bit like surprising as well in certain parts actually maybe philip can you define um can you define thrivation it's a mouthful i've been asked often to try to put things into you know these pitch words and and how could you describe your book in in three words or or so there's there's elements that people would like me to say thrivation is a lot about um uh, understanding what the circle of life is. There's life, there's death, there's thrivation. And you're only guaranteed one of those things. Um, To thrive is really to give. 
And I realized as I started recording my thoughts that I didn't know what thrive was. Was it gathering things? Was it getting things? What is, is it having things? And as I looked around, there wasn't really any answer to what does it mean to thrive? Here we sit on a planet that's infinitely abundant. And why do people suffer? Why do we do the same stupid things generationally, you know, century after century? And why have some people lasted the, you know, the test of time, like Einstein or Nishki or uh, Carl Jung or capitalism? Why are these, you know, uh, how do they fit into it? Why did they expand and continue and when some really other cool ideas didn't? So thrivation is a made up word, you know, you Google it and you go, what is thrivation? Um, it's the act of thriving. And what does it mean to thrive? In my bottom line opinion, it means to give. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I caught that thread throughout your whole book is basically, you know, uh, our society is kind of, yeah, kind of materialistic and, uh, why, why do we have to be so like that and why not, you know, give back? So mm -hmm. yeah, that's a, I would say that that's a very good definition of thrive, um, to be alive and to give. So yeah. Uh, what inspired you to write Thrivation? I had a little bit of, um, uh, I think, most of us can identify with it, especially this year, we had to deal with a lot of death. And I got to say, Matt, it just, it hurts my heart to watch us go through these actions and I guess a celebration of a life, you know, after somebody passes, but it's like, really what is left? And what are we playing for? And I, it's not in my humble opinion about just, you know, what was this life about for you? It's what the, this life can be for you and everyone around you. And I, I want to say that my writing experiences kind of ebb and flows. And when I get an idea, as I mentioned before, I, it flows out of me and this expression flows out of me fast. And so I write and I write and I write and I keep yellow tabs and um, voice recordings and just things that occur to me. And, um, but it was through the loss, you know, uh, a loss of a nephew this year, um, uh, a loss of a father-in-law this year. Um, right at the closing time, right as I was uh, finishing Thrivation, I lost my father-in-law. And so I went back in and re-edited and, and made sure that he was included in it. But death found me later in life, meaning I didn't have much experience with it. And I don't know why we don't talk with death, at least in the United States um, or in much of Western society, um, as you know, some other cultures do. And I just think that 
there's many of us that feel life is, while it's indeed sacred, that it's the only thing and it's not. There's death and we should talk about it. And there's what happens after death. Um, we should talk about it. It's not spooky. And as they say, you know, we shouldn't talk about politics or talk about religion. And yes, we should. We should talk about all of that often. Not make it uh, so sanitized. And I speak to that effect in, in this book that death is now so off the front pages we talk about it, but for example, I live next to literally on the country of Mexico on the border and in the Mexican newspapers, they will show a body on the street, you know, but in the U S we won't, um, in Mexico, uh, prior to COVID, but when somebody was ill in the, in the hospital, the whole family could come into the hospital room and be with abuelita or whomever that was ill, but in the U S most hospitals allow one person in to visit at a time or two. And so there's a sanitization of, of the experience. Uh, Robert green, uh, spoke about it very well. And there's, was a period in our past in the American past, um, during the pandemic of 1918, where there was a fear of bodies being piled up on the streets. And people worked to make sure that that wasn't seen or experienced. Like if it wasn't, if it wasn't on in, in your eyes, it, it, it could possibly be not true, but the sanitization of death is, is probably part of the problem with this fear of living and stuffing everything we can into this life that causes us to, um, you know, misplace the important things in life, like having conversations about what can I give to another person to make their experience better. And by doing so, my experience is better now and forever will be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I, I totally feel, I totally feel you there, uh, Philip. My, my mother passed away last year as well in 2020. So um, yeah, I know that feeling. And, you know, that is something that we don't really talk about in the US. And it is something that actually, if more people accepted it as part of life, as the Stoics would say, momento mori, which is mm -hmm. remember death, uh, or always remember death, and not in like a bad way, right? Not in no. a bad way. And Robert Greene talks about this in, uh, in his book as well, The Laws of Human Nature, the last chapter about death. And uh, yeah, it's just like, well, if we always remember that we're going to die, then we should appreciate every moment that we have living on earth, which mm -hmm. is exactly what I get from Memento Mori. And I kind of got the same vibe when I was reading that section in Thrivation, you talking about uh, all the death that happened around you, your nephews, your mm -hmm. father-in-law. And uh, yes, it was kind of a sorrowful, sorrowful part of the book, but also 
uh, it helped us to realize the, the state that you were going through and how we can understand that death is part of life. So we should appreciate every single moment of it and do what we can to thrive. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah. So it's, if you think of thrive, like, you know, the seeds of a, you know, the spores of a, of a, of a plant, um, you know, what you're not guaranteed to, that seed is not guaranteed to, you know, land, settle, you know, fertilize, germinate and, and grow, but it could, it could at some point, you know, years later. And there was maybe, you know, to your point, there was this thing uh, I experienced, like why, why does memento uh, mori matter? Why, you know, the Stoics wrote that idea thousands through 3,400 years ago, but it stuck. Do you think just that, that caption, that phraseology has lasted? That's, that's, that's thrivation in my opinion. These words that transcend time that have survived 3,400 years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Henry David Thoreau uh, had a line in a book that just touched my heart, but he wrote that 150 years ago, folded in between these pages and I came across it and I opened those pages and it blew my mind like he was talking to me. I have the same experience with Michel de Montaigne, um, a French philosopher of little notoriety, unless you were a French literature buff. And I, I cracked my first editor said, my God, you've got to you know, read this. He actually sent me the book on a, a well done recap of Montaigne. And I just feel like I'm reading a book about me. Mm. Nuts mm-hmm. um, to have this, not necessarily, you know, am I reborn? Am I, how, how does, how do those words fill me like I've already said them or felt them or experienced them and, and somebody captures that. And I think thrivation is a little of that. It reminds you that um, there's a lot out there that we're going through, but we're only here because of seeds that were passed, um, you know, and spread uh, from the past. Um, the streets we drive on, the cities we live in, we're th- we need to be thankful and full of gratitude for a lot of things. But most of that has been something left by some person or culture that has lived before us. And that's what we have the opportunity to, the opportunity to provide to not just the next generation, but all future generations. That's Thrive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, um, I'm glad that you brought that up, uh, Philip. Like, this is a question that I was going to save until later, but since you already okay. brought it up, we'll talk about it right now. Uh, okay. So you mentioned the transference of thoughts. Uh, this is one of the points. 
David Thoreau, you brought it up already, but yeah, you, you mentioned this transference of thoughts and ideas through generations resurfacing and replanting in the minds of people trying to extend the boundaries of their capabilities. How can the conscious we thinkers, as you call it in the book, um, and doers keep on doing good for humanity and not succumb to the vanity of today? So the vanity of today is, is you've heard it called the me culture. It's the selfie culture. It's, uh, um, but I don't think it's anything new. This is not some new you know, illness that has found us. But the we thinkers are the ones who said, I need to record, I need to write, I need to chronicle, I need to, you think of somebody like um, uh, Louis Salk or, uh, or Louis Pasteur, um, uh, you know, that invented the polio vaccine or invented pasteurization um, that didn't patent their product, their discovery. Um, they gave it away. And subsequently saved millions and millions of lives by, by doing so. And some of us, you know, feel like, well, I've, I've, I've done something and I need to patent it and I need to drive my values. And there's nothing wrong with the monetization of anything. What I'm getting at is that there were some seers and thinkers and we thinkers who said, I know what I've done is good for humans all humans. And they gave of themselves freely without monetization. And in that, I think is inspirational, aspirational ways of being that I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that um, penicillin was invented. It saved my father's life when he was 18 years old. Mm -hmm. So that to me is a blessing. People who thought and, you know, understand that time is a passing parade, man. It's going to go by us. We're here, but for a blink and we're scared to die. There's there's nobody looks forward to it, but we can talk about it and celebrate it and see what we can leave and do for another generation or, um, you know, a generation 10,000 years from now. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It excites me. It excites me to no end. Yeah. 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 Some people, I, I've heard this saying like, uh, since I'm going to die, uh, why, why should I care? I've heard some people say stuff like this, you know, uh, but with your points of thrivation, the facts that, you know, like you used polio as an example, and that has saved millions of lives. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, definitely the, the people, the naysayers who say uh, stuff like, why should I care? Like, I'm not going to make it be able to make any difference because I'm just going to die anyway. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's. I bring I it up like, uh, you know, I'm just. Crappy, you know? Yeah, okay. I think I know it's popular nomenclature right now to say, oh, I'm just, you know, living my best life. 
okay, but you could be up to a lot more. Yeah. You know, that sounds like a little bit of a letdown to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you can do better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even if we don't make such a huge impact, at least living your best life, you know, at least we make a little bit of an impact as much as we can. And, um, and the last thing I'll, I'll say about that, Matt, I think now we, we understand that, but for future generations, 10,000 years from now, people will be able to n- know your voice, know your thoughts and know your ideas. Your, your descendants will forever know who you were, how you were, what you thought, or at least have the availability to do that because of everything's that's being digitally recorded, which was not the case, but for an exceptional few throughout our antiquity, if you will, uh, throughout our history, you know, there's been written word for 6,500 years, but only so many people wrote. Um, furthermore, most people only was told that information. They didn't they couldn't read it. Um, so that seems so long ago. But as you know, our advancements have manifested and, and grown, there's 8 million books that you can, there are so many historical records now permanently imprinted for future generations that our future generations are either going to be very thankful of many things that we have done and contributed or future generations are going to know us as the idiots we might very well be because um, a lot of us are taking really good opportunities to screw up what we're leaving behind. Hmm. And Earl Nightingale that said, care what you plant in it, plant a good seed and it will grow, plant a bad seed, it will grow as equally as abundant. And so we should be mindful of what we plant and what we sow for somebody will certainly reap those, you know, harvest, be it good or be it bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. And, you know, uh, I've heard people say before too, as well. Uh, I think I forget who it was. Maybe Gary Vaynerchuk. Document, 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 document. Uh, and yeah, of course, this is talking about like social media and stuff like that. But sure. like, I think one of the best ways we can spread our thrive, our positive thrive, is by documenting. Whether that's writing or creating videos, because yeah, we've got people in the future will be able to access this stuff as long as uh as long as uh their technology is quite similar and they can access that because yeah think about think back to the eight track and the vhs right we unless you have a vcr you cannot play those types of things so who knows but for sure words written words as long as those written words exist people can read them right yeah. And, I, and they should last. And so I think it's hysterical because I did recently have to go buy an adapter to get a mini VHS recorder tape 
transferred and didn't anymore, you know, a video cor- uh, recorder. Um, and in a thousand years, you know, should it matter to you living today um, that something you do, what if it wasn't about you, Matt? Mm. What if it was about, you know, what if you inspired somebody 500 years from now? Should you care? Yeah, you should care. Mm-hmm. That is what God has given you, this opportunity to change the world, uh, to, to take from a world that is adequately uh, provident and figure something out that is a betterment for someone else. Yeah, we should care. And if I'm living my best life, and that's too me focused, in my opinion. Um, maybe somebody's intention for those words and meanings are different from how I am uh, uh, representing it now. But think, think about what you do, you know, the things we have and all this around us, it doesn't define us. It's what you do with it and how you give it to future, future generations. Um, what impact? Because it all goes away, much like the the VCR and the A-track <laughs> It will be replaced with something else. And we have a chance to contribute to that. Yep, for sure. So, Philip, while I was reading your book, uh, Thrivation, I got a sense of a, a bit of a like aggressiveness comparing to your last book, This Day. This one is a lot more aggressive. Can you explain a little bit about why that is and uh, your thoughts about that? Absolutely. Um, uh, this Day is really, it's very personal. It was a scary book to it was my first book. It was very scary to put out into the world. Um, it's an open reveal. It's very vulnerable. Um, it's personal. And I was mad. I was mad at myself. I was mad at God. I, uh, there, there was a lot going on there. And I think this day really helps people open up, communicate, understand the multiplicity of, of choice and their words and their thoughts and their feelings. Um, Thrivation is, there's two things here. There's a belief that for the world to get better, I need to get better. And then there's, we're in community and Matt, you and I rely on each other. I need you to step it up, you know? And I want you to hold me accountable. All right. I want us to keep our eye on the prize that we die, that we are going to not have this time on this earth anymore. And there's something that we can do to help some other future human being. And so I'm angry at a, at a level of, I, if I want to call your bluff, or society's love for um, speak truth to power. It's in, I, I'm glad that you picked up on the tonality difference, but this day is a more internal thought and uh, thrivation is definitely an external thought um, of the collaborative that 
we, the network that we are in. That network that we are in is the only reason you and I are here. So yeah, I have, I have thoughts on that. And it might be easy for me to say, oh, we'll let governments worry about that. And we'll let communities worry about that. Bullshit. You've, there's too many things that have been screwed up and tolerated and ignored or um, that was compelled by greed more than compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, a belief of, I, I, I reference this in thrivation. It's just like, if, if I've done well in this life and I've you know, made millions or billions of dollars and I, you know, and I've really done good for people and I'm going to die and I'm going to leave all my money to my children um, because that's how it goes. We should invest everything in our children and, you know, leave all the wealth to them. Well, what if they're idiots, Matt? All right. Let, let's call it what it is. My child might grow up to be an idiot, an imbecile, a, a greed driven, you know, taker. I don't know. I don't know, you know, if my money all given to one person is, is the right application for what that tool is supposed to be used for. So um, if you can't tell, I, I'm opinionated about the subject matter, but mm-hmm. I, I do believe that it was time to have this external talk uh, uh, to the network, to the community, to the collaborative we exist in. So there's a, there's tonality change as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely felt it in the sense of writing and uh, like you said, it's external rather than internal. When you're, when you're writing about internal things, yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, the tone is definitely going to be different than when you're writing about external things. So yeah, I caught on that and, uh, just wanted to ask and, I will tell you as an author, um, as, as hard as it is to sometimes put your words out there into the world, um, probably the most meaningful parts of, of that, Matt, is for somebody who, is, who reads as many books as you do, um, for you to pick up on that, is, it, it warms my heart. It, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm thrilled that you, I, that you, you got those nuances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So um, I have another question for you about uh, about the interesting word you used. You you said every man. Uh, so so what is the difference between expert words and every man words? Uh, thanks for bringing that up. I think it's a a, a, yeah. a very important point and a valid point. Um, expert words are are cultivated words. They are accrued and refined words. Um, They're accepted words, approved words, Um, maybe scientifically, but every man words can be street words, real life, you know, hard knocks, the philosophy of a, of a regular guy you know, that you might have a drink with at a bar or at the end of a hard day of labor or at the end of a marathon, you know, when 
I don't need to say the right things. I need to say the meaningful things. Expert words are important. Um, they have helped us understand the, the fine, maybe, you know, the directions. Um, uh, they help us um, navigate legal events and, you know, governmental elements. Um, uh, they've kept us well and safe at times, but they've also corralled and controlled us. And every man words is how I talk with my wife at the end of the day mm -hmm. about the real things that scare the shit out of me. Um, the challenges I have for my children. Um, and it also helps me, inspires me to have my words matter to somebody else. So I want to speak them. And every man is, 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 is a regular guy. I have the same feelings regardless of theology, every man words. Most of us can understand that all of us human beings have the same needs. It's not skin color. It's not financial. It's not, we want to be loved. We want to be safe and secure and we want to multiply. Those are pretty basic things. We want to survive and we want to survive over time. But there, there's, there's a difference between the words we use to get there. And I understand that I'm not an expert. I am an expert in certain things in my life, but I'm absolutely an expert in the words and thoughts and philosophies that I have and share and have have tallied and and god damn it i can contribute that's an every man command i need to it's not that i want to i need to i owe it to my fellow man i would like to read a quote about that does that sound good to you from your book Okay. Page 38, 39. Yes, yeah. Yes, sir. Go ahead. So uh, regardless, right. an everyman motif is kind of badass. It says that I speak of and think from the viewpoint of the common man and woman. I speak as an unaffiliated human for all humans and all species. While other superpowers may include a mask or a cape, my superpowers are my words. These words, bold words, Truthful words. Expert words are different from everyman words. Expert words can pack a punch. Sometimes their words will carry some learned meanings and carry some extra weightiness. After all, their words are those words that become the words that others use to navigate through life. But sometimes those experts are a part of the fabric of the noise that keeps us stuck. Their words become trite or somehow expected or canned, planned, generic, or desynthesized. Their words can be charged words, rife with suspiciousness, selling or agiling something for their benefit and expressly not yours. Yeah, I love that quote. 
Love that quote. Thank uh, you. Especially Thank that you. Pretty, last uh, one. Very pretty, surprising. Pretty spot on. Yeah. Very yeah. surprising. So if we are if we're awake to them, um, sometimes we get misled and or have false hope or false beliefs, false prophet. Um, uh, to 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 be conscious and to be thoughtful and you know I think both of these books really curtail who we need to be as a human. Um, we need to invest in our internal and we have an external responsibility. So um, uh, we there's a lot to be said from having this exercise of um, internal, uh, you know, betterment, you know, getting the right words, understanding our place and family and, and interpersonal relationships. And then how do we apply that to a macro? We're 8 billion people strong, bro. I had to look that up to, you know, include that in this book. How many humans have lived? over 110 billion of people like you and me. There's 8 billion of us on this planet right now. So there's 102 billion that came before us. That's just in the last 50,000 years and most specifically in the last 40 or 4,500 billions are coming after us in the next thousand years, man. That my words and your words could help. Am I in? Hell yeah. What can I do to help? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, right on. So uh, that brings me to another great kind of connected question uh, about um, how can we create thrivation, not just in ourselves, but in others? Because of course, the whole idea of thrivation is to give. So how can we cultivate it in, in ourselves and cultivate it in others. That's really important. So part of the expert words, in my opinion, that we've been sold to truthfully be consumers. Um, I work in marketing. I'm part of the, I'm part of the grind. I, I understand my role. The, um, the part of our success in this world for at least for the United States is that we're consumption based. Um, and I, I start with that, Matt, because I think we've got a presence, the fact for young people, um, others that we can inspire that will listen, um, our example of how we live our life is how we've learned. Most people, like I mentioned in, in, in the book this day, most of what we know, most of our behaviors, um, that is how it's handed down to us. Most of us have not read Socrates or Plato, Plato or Aristotle or, you know, Kant or, you know, the wealth of nations, uh, the Bible. Most of us haven't read that. Most of that was told to us in catchy slogans like, Build a better mousetrap, right? Wasn't that the catchphrase for capitalism? You know, um, uh, we might be the greatest country uh, for opportunity, you know, and, and have cornered the catchphrase, the American dream. 
but if I don't explain what that American dream is to others and show them how to responsibly do that, then um, I've not done my best work. Um, most of us have just told people, do this and this is how it works. We need to show people how Thrivation works, um, how, how to plant a seed. You know, any seed will grow if given the right nourishment, the right environment. And, um, but as I mentioned earlier, those could also be bad seeds, bad ideas. And, and truthfully, bad ideas grow, you know, uh, bad ideas can spread and thrive equally. And you've seen governments toppled. You've seen, you know, great nations fail and uh, it will scare the shit out of most people, uh, you know, to think like, well, you know, uh, in Syria, 10 years ago, there were people like me and you having conference calls. And now they're living in tents and uh, as, you know, um, asylum seekers and trying to save their own lives from a civil war. You see collapse of, you know, long lasting, you know, governments in the USSR um, throughout history. Should you have read history, but if you really read it, which you should, then you'll know this is what we should be doing. The action is not telling people about, you know, our history, read it and compare it and contrast it and formulate your own philosophies and hypotheses. This is what we should be teaching our children to do, not to watch a YouTube video every time they need, you know, they can't understand <clears throat> a hard question that they had on their Zoom meeting, you know, <clears throat> many books. There's, there's so much to learn and to know. That's how we teach somebody else to thrive. Hmm. Yes, by showing, exactly, by showing, definitely. Cool. So, um, what is Thrivation not? I don't know if we discussed this yet. What is Thrivation not? <laughs> you know what? It, it, sometimes it's the easier way to, you know, let me tell you what it's not. Um, it's not gathering more shit. You know, it's not having shopping bags full of useless things. You know, um, it's not an accumulation. Um, of wealth, uh, you can certainly um, put your wealth in wealth is absolutely, you know, money is just a tool. It's just a tool, you know, just like a hammer can't hug a child. Uh, money can't hug a child. Um, hammers drive nails and break things and money can do the same thing. So uh, thrivation is, is not the accumulation of things. That's not what it means to have more of. It means to give. And um, there's a balance in there. And again, it's like balance itself. You'll know it when you got it. I can't always tell you about it. I'm going to have to show you, or you're going to have to try it yourself. But for a lot of us, it's hard to give. 
it's hard to give because we go through these myths of, you know, well, if I give and then you don't give, then I'm the one that's supporting everybody and nobody else is helping me. I've already given. Um, I'm struggling. Those are valid and considerable points. But when you exercise those points down and understand that um, I might be struggling, but I have more to give. I've got, you want this book? I'm going to give that book. I mean, the habit of giving is, is addictive and um, it's from fear that we feel like we need to collect it and we don't. We need to take what we learn, share it. That's how we embed learning, right? You have mastered the art of teaching, Matt, um, and sharing your knowledge with others through your programs. And that makes you wiser harder for the experience. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with uh, the whole learning thing for sure. So cool, cool. Uh, so, uh, Philip, a couple last questions for you would be uh, why should people buy your book? Or your books? I, <laughs> Both of your books, yeah? Sometimes people find themselves stuck in life. Sometimes people, again, will find themselves uninspired by um, certain things. Is, is it the world around you that's so changing and, or is it you? I think my books, when they find you, uh, your decisions, um, and in your world in ways that most other books will not, um, my book unlocks doors in your mind. Um, it, it has, it's not a trick to make somebody think it's a method to really challenge ourselves to, can we do better? Sometimes people think like, I need to, you know, study so I can answer questions. No, you don't study to answer questions. You study to think. That's the reason why we study, not to get the questions right. We learn so much by losing a game. We learn so much by losing a loved one. We learn so much by losing that we sometimes think that we fail when we lose. We don't, not if you do it right. And so these books, they just make you think, man. And um, as we mentioned earlier before, the, sometimes I don't need you to remember my words. You don't need to remember all my quotes. You need to remember that my words will help you think better, more richly, more clearly. That's why these books should be read. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that saying. Uh, you don't need to remember my stories. You don't need to remember my quotes, but remember the feelings. Remember the concepts of what you yeah. show in your books. Uh, and, you know, that's one of the aspects that I got from this day. Not 
so much in Thrivation, but this day you were really about showing people rather than telling them what to do, like a self-help how-to book, which is not, Thrivation is not that either. It's more of the concept and the ideas that we can absorb and plant the seed, as you say in your book, plant the seed, water it, let it grow, let it sprout and spread it to other people. Mm -hmm. So really, I guess if that's the one thing you want us to take from Thrivation, I think that's really what it is, is uh, planting the seed and letting it grow and spreading it to other people, if I'm not mistaken, right, Philip? It it is, absolutely. That's the only reason that we're here. There's there's one other element that I want to bring up, though I think that is imperable, uh, that that is uh, imperative to to discuss, and it's this law. I I, I fabricate I fabricate much like the law of abundance or um, the law of uh, attraction. I think was the the popular way to say it um, mm-hmm. is the law of equality, and. I discuss it in such a way that all things, all matter is equal, regardless of its comparative size, because that comes with comparison and judgment. And if we really start to grasp and understand this concept of a law of equality, what it says is that in a loaf of bread, there are ingredients. There's eggs and milk and flour and water or, you know, salt and all of these elements that go into a loaf of bread. They're all equally important, none greater than the other. When we wrap our mind around that concept, we understand that the smallest ingredient can matter the most. The tiniest seed becomes the oak tree Jesus discussed this. He understood the power that that mustard seed had to become a giant tree just so a bird could set on it to make man wonder. That's the power of the mustard seed. Mm. It's biblical. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just asking people to think. Think about your ingredient, the Matt Hudson ingredient, it's needed in this world. It it couldn't be this world without it. Mm -hmm. That's what you represent. That's what Mm -hmm. we all represent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely agree. Out of a hundred and how many people did you say? 108 billion people that have existed on... No, 110 billion. 110 billion people have have lived on this planet. We are one of them. We are one of them. And there will be many more. So, uh, Uh but yeah, we are a part of the world. We are a part of the world and we can make an impact. So that's what your message is. And I really love that. And I'm glad that the audience can learn from it and hear about it. And I hope that they go out there and get your book and, uh, plant their own seed, be inspired to thrive, to have thrivation, 
Matt, you, you've read, you've read both of my books and I think you can compare and contrast, but I believe you'll also be able to share the fact that my writing style is, 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 is a bit different and it's enjoyable when you wrap your mind around it because it comes in bite-sized pieces. Um, you can put the book down and come back to them, both of them. Um, I think that they're valuable in, in a sense, but my question to you is um, when, you know, you've had the experience of them. Uh, I think you read this day a year ago and it still comes topical to you, top of mind. Not that you remember the words, but you remember the experience. If, if, if I'm doing, you know, my best work, it's having other people, you know, tell my story as well. Um, I wanted to say thank you for, you know, reading my book, um, recalling my book, um, and experiencing my book. And, um, I, I, I really wanted to say thank you for, for this time today. Um, it means the world to me. I, I hope, uh, uh, everybody on the planet reads these books. Um, and, uh, I think, you know, we all will benefit by doing so. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. We will all benefit from it. So get your copy of it for sure. <laughs> let's get, let's get, uh, let's support Philip. Let's change the world gradually. One person through the next, to the next, to mm -hmm. the next, to the next. That's what we're here for. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. So is there anything else that you would like to add to this conversation? Follow along, uh, follow along, follow me, follow Matt. Um, I, I really just, you know, I, I have faith in us and um, I don't have much of a sales pitch for my books other than um, they'll find you. And when they do, you'll be glad they did. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Cool. So where can people find you? Uh, they can find me in El Paso, Texas. You can find <laughs> me on Instagram um, at, uh, at author Philip Gabbard. Uh, you can find my books, both of them on Amazon and, um, you know, you can find me, uh, maybe touring the country here pretty soon. Cool. Yeah. I'll go ahead and include any of the links in the description of this, uh, video on YouTube and podcast, uh, that way people can reach out to you and, uh, have a conversation with you and visit you as well at your house. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, come on in, man. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we all appreciate it. I appreciate it. And, um, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Everyone, we'll see you in the next video. Make sure you pick up um, next video, next episode. Uh, we'll make sure you pick up a copy of Philip's book on Amazon and uh, yeah, take care everyone.